Sydney Loof was a beautiful young woman, an animal lover, an incredible friend, and everybody just loved her. And she did what millions of people do when they're trying to find a love interest, hopped on Tinder. She met a woman named Audrey, and the first date went great. But after the second date, Cindy Loof disappeared. Tragically, Sydney had been murdered by her Tinder date, Audrey. But it turned out Audrey was not her real name. The murderers were Bailey Boswell and her sugar daddy boyfriend, Aubrey Trail, who had lured Sydney to their home using Tinder, where they killed and dismembered her as a sacrifice for their witch sex cult. Yeah. Today I'm going to tell you about the murder of Sydney Loof, the vampire sugar daddy Aubrey Trail, and his witch sex cult member Bailey Boswell. Yikes. Welcome to the Cleaning and Crime podcast. My name is Elise and my podcast is called What It Is because I have a weekly series on YouTube where I post a time-lapse video of me cleaning my house, while at the same time, I talk about a true crime case that's interesting to me, because I love to listen to true crime while I clean. But some people find the cleaning footage too distracting, or they just prefer to listen to their true crime and not watch it. So if that's you, you're in the right place. If you'd like to check out any of the video versions of today's story, like the cleaning and crime version or the crime-only video version, I post that all on YouTube. You can find me on YouTube under the name C. Elise, S-E-E-E-L-I-S-E. Trigger warning, this is a true crime podcast, so be sure to check the show notes on this episode for specific trigger warnings, and as always, listener discretion is advised. Now, I want to start the story by telling you about what an amazing person Sydney Loof was. She was born on August 21st, 1993, and her family moved to Neely, Nebraska when she was in second grade, and I hope I said that right. I'm sure the entire internet will tell me if I said it wrong. They were a very close-knit family. Sydney was one of three children. Her mother, Susie, was a special education teacher, and her dad, George, was a principal. Sydney was super into sports as a child. She was really good at basketball, really good at golf, and she loved fishing. In high school, however, Sydney was diagnosed with scoliosis, which is a spinal disorder that causes curvature of the spine. So unfortunately, she had to ditch the sports. But she still went fishing all the time. Sydney loved animals, and she spoiled all of her pets rotten. And when she was old enough and got her own pet cat named Mimsy, she treated that cat like a human being. She was a beautiful girl, blonde hair, light blue eyes, an adorable smile with a dimple, just so cute. She was very inquisitive and curious and very loving and nurturing. And she even once saved her sister who was choking on an atomic fireball by giving her the Heimlich maneuver when they were kids. When Sydney graduated high school in 2011, she wasn't really sure what her career goals were. So right out of high school, she began working as a clerk at a local Menards store, which is a mostly Midwest-based home improvement store. Sydney eventually transferred to the Lincoln, Nebraska Menards, and she moved into the city, got out of that smaller town that she was used to. But she still stayed extremely close with her friends and family, and they visited each other often. Sydney was the kind of person that would go above and beyond for friends, family, and even co-workers. For example, once in 2016, Sydney found out that one of her co-workers was down on their luck and didn't have a place to go, so she actually offered him a place to stay with her until he got back on his feet. And while he stayed with her, she taught him how to cook, how to save money, and how to better take care of himself. And when one of her friends asked her why she was willing to do all that for a co-worker she barely knew, Sydney said, everybody needs help at some point in their lives, and I feel like I can help him. She just hated to see people suffer. 
After high school, Sydney did struggle with her mental health and she struggled with anxiety and depression and she was having a hard time getting the right medication balance with her doctors. But she had a great support system and her friends and family were helping her through it. So shortly before the bad part of our story starts, Sydney actually reached out to her mom, Susie, and told her that she was worried that her depression was getting worse and that she wanted to switch medications. So Susie went up to Lincoln and spent some time with her and went with her to the doctor to get her medication adjusted. And it wasn't long on the new prescription that Sydney noticed a big positive difference. Finally, she was feeling better, more like her old self. And for the first time, she was feeling excited. Like she was in this new big city, living on her own. And as far as dating goes, she was interested in other women. So being in a bigger city rather than the smaller town she was used to was a better dating pool. So feeling more positive, new outlook on life. She was feeling ready to meet somebody. So off to Tinder she went. And in November 2017, Sydney swiped right on a girl named Audrey. And ding, 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 they had a match. They exchanged messages back and forth. And they were already really hitting it off just through Tinder messages. So Sydney was getting pretty excited. She even showed her friend and coworker Brooklyn McChrystal a picture of Audrey and told her that she was really excited to go on a date with her and actually said, I really hope she doesn't have a boyfriend. Like, you don't want to match with another girl and then get really excited and then go meet her and have her say, oh, and by the way, I have a boyfriend and we're actually looking for a third. Like, that, that just wasn't what Sydney was looking for. Sydney and Audrey decided to go on a date on November 14th, 2017. And Sydney even confirmed with Audrey before the date just to make sure, hey, it's just the two of us, right? And Audrey confirmed. They were planning on getting together, smoking some weed, driving around, getting to know each other. So the two met up on the 14th. They cruised around in Audrey's car. They smoked together and they had a great time. And it went well enough that they planned a second date right away for the next day. Sydney was like, yeah, I work tomorrow, but I can get together with you after work. At 6 p.m. the next day, Sydney was seen leaving Menards and getting into her car. Then she went home, got ready, and then she posted on Snapchat a selfie that was captioned, ready for my date. And I guess her mom saw that snap and screenshotted it and sent it back to her in a text and was like, what date? <laughs> but Sydney did not respond to that text. Shortly after the snap, Audrey messaged Sydney to let her know she was outside to pick her up. And Sydney went outside, got in Audrey's car, and they left together. The next day, however, Sydney did not show up to work. Her manager at Menards called her phone but got no answer. So concerned, Sydney's coworkers started calling her family to let them know, like, hey, Sydney's not at work. We can't get a hold of her. Have you heard from her? But nobody had heard from Sydney since 7 p.m. the night before. Well, no one but this mysterious Audrey. So Sydney's family didn't waste any time. Her parents called the police right away and reported her missing. And they started posting on social media right away saying Sydney was missing and she was last seen going on a Tinder date with a stranger. November 16th, police went to Sydney's house to do a wellness check and they saw her SUV outside. But when they went into the apartment, nobody was there. But as soon as they went in, they knew something was wrong. Her purse was still in the house. Her glasses were still in the house. And her beloved cat Mimsy was in the house without food or water, which she would have never done. Everybody knew something was seriously wrong at this point, And friends and family told police that Sydney was last seen with a girl named Audrey that she met on Tinder. But no one knew Audrey's last name or phone number or address. Nothing. So police were like, well, we'll do our best, but we need to find out who this Audrey is. So... Sydney's friend, Brooklyn McChrystal, downloaded Tinder. She decided she was going to find Audrey herself. 
She made a new Tinder account. She used a bogus name and she filled out all of her dating parameters to match how Sydney had had her set up. And then she just started swiping like mad until wouldn't you know it, she freaking found Audrey and she knew it was her because remember, Sydney had showed her a picture of Audrey before she went on her first date. So she's like, oh my God, I found her. So she swiped right. And it didn't take long before, ding, 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 they matched. So Brooklyn starts messaging Audrey, acting like she wants to date her and they hit it off. And Audrey agrees to go on a date with her. And Brooklyn tells her, oh, hey, I hate chatting on Tinder. Like, here's my number. What's yours? And Audrey sent her her cell phone number. Oh, my God. Brooklyn McChrystal. Just makes my true crime heart sing. So the second Audrey sent that phone number over, Brooklyn sent it to Sydney's entire family and also sent it to the police department. So cops quickly used the number to identify Audrey. But big shock, Audrey was not her real name. Her real name was Bailey Boswell, age 23, who was living with her boyfriend, Aubrey Trail, age 51. So her Tinder name was some weird play on Aubrey's name. She's like, oh, I'll be Audrey on Tinder. Isn't that cute? (laughs) No, Bailey, it's not. Because now it makes this story confusing. Thanks a lot, Bailey. Thanks a lot. Police call the number to chat with Bailey Boswell. And Bailey talks to them. And she's like, yeah, I went on a date with Sydney. But then afterwards, I dropped her off at a friend's house and I haven't seen her since. Bye. Police were like, whoa, 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 wait, can you come down to the station and like chat with us about this? And she was like, no, I can't come into the station. I have warrants. (laughs) So the FBI gets involved at this point. And they get access to Sydney's phone records. And they saw that Sydney's cell phone had pinged specifically at Bailey and Aubrey's residence in Wilbur, Nebraska, the night she went missing. So police go to Bailey and Aubrey's apartment to question them. But the couple's nowhere to be found. The place is empty. So police get a hold of Bailey and Aubrey's landlord who meets them at the residence. And this landlord tells them that they were already concerned about weird shit going on in the basement apartment because... On the 15th and 16th, Bailey and Aubrey's basement apartment smelled incredibly strongly like bleach. So strongly, in fact, that one of the neighbors that lived in a different unit threw up and broke out into hives. And not only that, but the air conditioning had been running on full blast for two days. And it was November. So who are these two knuckleheads? Bailey Boswell grew up in Iowa, and she had a pretty tragic start in life. Uh, Her father was murdered when she was two. Despite this tragic beginning, Bailey actually did really well in school. She was friendly and popular, and she did really well in sports. She was like a state champion runner. So it was looking like she was going to do great things in life. But she didn't. So basically, after high school, she started making bad decisions and running with the wrong crowd. And she became a frequent drug user. And then she got pregnant and she married some dude named Freddie. Bailey's mother said that Bailey's relationship with Freddie was emotionally, physically, and sexually abusive. And that he was a really heavy drug user. And then he ended up getting into so much trouble that their daughter was taken away from them when she was school aged. Now, I couldn't find all the scoop on Freddie, but it doesn't matter. I think he got arrested. It doesn't matter. The point is, Bailey got away from him, was not married to him anymore, and her daughter was taken away. So I guess she viewed this as a way to get a fresh start. It was an opportunity to turn her life around. But she didn't. So instead, one day she woke up and said, do you know what I need? Do you know what I need to get me out of this rut? I need a sugar daddy. Which I'm not saying there's anything wrong with getting a sugar daddy. If you're both consenting adults and that's what you both want, get it. The problem is the sugar daddy that she got. 
Bailey went on to Backpage.com, which is the now defunct shittier Craigslist, which was mostly used for online sex work. And she found Aubrey Trail. Aubrey was, to say the least, a bad fucking influence on Bailey. And so her downward spiral went into the ground. Aubrey Trail was a gross weirdo with a long history of criminal activity that went back to 1999. And just a reminder, Sydney was born in 1993 and Bailey was born in 1994. So his criminal activity goes back to basically when these girls were in diapers. So anyway, Aubrey's favorite fraud scheme was writing fraudulent checks to buy merchandise at antique stores. And then the check obviously wouldn't cash and he'd take his merchandise that he got and would sell it to other antique stores or pawn it or sell it on eBay. And round and round he went, hitting antique stores all over the Midwest. Aubrey Trail also had a difficult childhood. When he was two, he was abused by his parents and he ended up being taken away and was raised by his grandfather. And for some reason, I'm not sure, maybe his grandfather died, but he was sent back to his mother's care where he was then abused by his stepfather. Then he went into the foster care system and he bounced around from juvenile center to juvenile center until he was old enough to go to grown-up jail when he was a teenager for armed robbery. And he was a thief and a fraudster for the next 30 or so years until now, here we are, snatching up Sugar Baby Bailey. Now, Bailey ended up not being Aubrey's only sugar baby. No, he had four. And Aubrey wasn't just any old sugar daddy. Apparently, Aubrey was a vampire sugar daddy. Yes, Aubrey believed he was a vampire. And also that he had supernatural powers, like he had the gift of flight and he could read minds. Hot. I wonder if he could fly in his human form or if it was like a bat situation. I'm just curious. Anyway, I guess Aubrey taught Bailey his supernatural ways and soon she was his queen witch and she had healing powers. Sure. So basically, Aubrey was just a thief and a fraudster, and then he met Bailey, and now he's a vampire sugar daddy, and she is the queen witch sugar baby that is also a healer. Okay. Okay. And Aubrey and Bailey were a vampire witch duo that worked together to run their antique store scheme. (laughs) I'm sorry to laugh. I'm sorry. I'm really sorry. It's pretty weird. Anyway, it wasn't long before Aubrey and Bailey were getting into all kinds of trouble for their fraud schemes, and they had warrants out in various states across the Midwest. Then Aubrey started having Bailey go on Tinder using fake names, obviously, because they have warrants, so that she could attract other young, attractive women. And if the first date or two went well, she would bring the women home to meet Aubrey, and then these women were offered the exciting chance to be Aubrey's sugar baby also. It's an offer you can't refuse. So anyway, Aubrey gets this collection of sugar babies and he refers to them as his witches. And all of these witches were now members of his witch sex cult. To be one of Aubrey's witches, you get the perks of a weekly allowance of $200, mani-pedis, cell phones, drugs, fancy clothes. But in exchange, you have to be available for group sex with Aubrey whenever he wants with whomever he wants. They also had to refer to Aubrey as daddy. And since Bailey was the queen witch, since she was number one, they had to refer to her as mommy. And they also had to help out with the fraud schemes, like holding on to stolen items and things like that. 
over time in the sex cult, Aubrey's rules started to get more and more controlling. The witches were no longer allowed to communicate with or date any other men besides Aubrey. They had to ask Aubrey and Bailey for permission to do anything. They were often locked up inside Bailey and Aubrey's residence or in motel rooms. And they were expected to check in with Aubrey either over the phone or by text every three hours. Bitch, I'm busy. And eventually it drove away all the sugar babies except for Bailey. So not a great cult leader if everybody left, you know. All of the women that left Aubrey's witch sex cult testified at his trial for the prosecution. And they all said that while they were in, Aubrey and Bailey both talked frequently about killing people, torturing people, dismembering people. And Aubrey would often talk about how the witches would gain supernatural abilities like him and Bailey had if they killed and tortured someone and then breathed in their last breath. That's how you become a real witch. Aubrey would even go so far as to look at the girls' Tinder pages and handpick girls that they should match with to lure back to the home to be killed and tortured so that they could all become supernatural witches. Aubrey also told them that he would film it and he would be able to sell that for $1 million. I don't know where he came up with that number. Apparently that's what you get for a snuff film. I don't know. But then he said they would all split the money evenly. It's a great plan. But all of the women testified that they never saw Aubrey and Bailey do anything. They never saw them kill anyone or torture anyone. It was just talk. And that brings us to November 2017, when Bailey was posing as Audrey on Tinder and swiped right on Sydney Loof. So the police had gotten to Aubrey and Bailey's basement apartment to talk to them, and the landlord said it smelled like bleach. Remember? Okay. So since it smelled so bad, they got a warrant to search the apartment. And on November 19th, they got inside, and the apartment smelled so strong. And one room in particular was spotless, like... Every inch of it, the walls had just been scrubbed down with bleach. While in comparison, the rest of the apartment was very dirty and cluttered. It also looked like the couple had packed up and left in a hurry. They also found some things that added to the worry, like a dog collar and leash, even though the couple didn't own a dog, a bunch of duct tape, zip ties, a hatchet, plastic drop cloths, empty bleach bottles, and a book on anatomy. They also found Viagra and a bunch of sex toys, but that's not really that out of place for a sex cult. But there was also no blood found at the apartment. Not a drop. But it still seems like something went down in that apartment and something very messy happened that necessitated scrubbing an entire room with bleach. So the police started searching in rural areas and ponds and ditches, you know, like places that one might want to dump a body. Meanwhile, Sydney's parents are talking to the media all the time to try and keep her disappearance in the public eye. And police released a statement saying, hey, we're looking for these two knuckleheads. We want to talk to them because they are persons of interest in the Sydney Loof disappearance. So instead of coming into the police station to answer questions and clear their name, Aubrey and Bailey decided to post a video on Facebook and they posted it to Sydney Loof's Facebook page. And they essentially went on Facebook and were like, hey guys, get ready with me while I clear my name because the police suck. The video is like t uh, almost 10 minutes long and I just, I'm going to show you a couple clips. I just cut it up. Good morning, Lincoln and Omaha and probably several other places. This is Aubrey Trail and this is Bailey Boswell, I guess. 
Y'all also know her as Audrey. But we've spent the last few days watching ourselves being slammed and crucified in the newspapers, and we thought it was time we had our say. You know, in America, I sure thought it was a trial first, but I guess not. You've heard all of this stuff about my criminal history. All true. Been convicted of bad checks and forgery and all that good stuff. But never been convicted of anything like, uh, I guess I'm a person of interest on now. So uh, this has pretty much cost me my life. And uh, I appreciate that from the Lincoln Police Department and the FBI and all those other agencies. What? I pray for Sydney. I hope she's found soon. I wish the family the best. Uh, I'm sorry that she wasn't with you on Thanksgiving. Then he gives the floor to Bailey to explain her date with Sydney. Hi, good morning. I'm Bailey. Audrey on Tinder and a few other names because I have warrants, but this really isn't about me. This is about Sydney. I met her on a Tuesday. We drove around Lincoln, smoked weed, had a great time. We hit it off. I dropped her off at home, picked her up the next night at her house. We drove around, smoked weed again, made our way to my house where we smoked wax and shatter. And, and she asked me to drop her off at a friend's house. So I did so. I gave her my number. We were planning to go to the casino that weekend. I mean, I haven't heard from her since. I guess I just want the family to know that I'm truly sorry and I didn't have anything to do with this and I hope that Sydney is found very soon. She is a sweet, amazing girl. I hope also that Sydney's found soon. The police department is going to do what suits them best. Yeah, I know that's coming from a criminal, so you know, you'll believe what you will as far as the police department is concerned. They're chasing us around like dogs. I wish the family the best. I mean, no disrespect to anyone. I wish Sydney the best. But as far as the police department, you. Yeah. I hate them both. I hate them. Stay in school, kids. Then a second video pops up of Aubrey on Facebook because he wanted to speak his mind some more and ramble some more for 11 more minutes. Here's a couple clips. Hi, folks. Aubrey Trail here. I've been watching all day. I just watched the news. That's why I'm making this. So, so far today, from the comments, we have apparently murdered this lady. We have apparently put her into human trafficking and sold her. Just curious, are we not allowed to tell our side of this? And of course, again, I'm just a criminal, so you're going to believe none of this. And I guess it's really irrelevant because we've pretty much decided to turn ourselves in and see where this goes. If I'm a thief, I'm a thief. But I'd be goddamned I've never killed anyone in my life. I've never hurt a female in my life. So take that for whatever the hell it's worth. And this is what I look like. You say we're hiding. This is what? Blue eyes, teeth, brown hair, high. Not hiding at all. Have a nice day. And then instead of hitting the end record button, he accidentally flipped the camera and flashed us Bailey's undies. Great job. So because they were so active on social media like dumbasses, their cell phone data was subpoenaed and police were able to trace their movements across several states and they saw that they ended up in Branson, Missouri. Luckily for police, Aubrey and Bailey had an active warrant for fraud in Branson, Missouri. I guess it was for like stealing some important gold coins and 
taking them across state lines. I couldn't really figure that out specifically, but fraud. When they were arrested in Missouri, they had bags full of hiking boots and sleeping bags, maps, burner phones, and I guess they had a plan to escape to Mexico or something. So Aubrey and Bailey's cell phone data that was subpoenaed gave up their location in Branson, Missouri, right? Well, when police got the data, they were able to go back and look at the night that Sydney went missing. And when they checked that night, they saw that Bailey had been scoot scooting around 200 miles of dirt roads in rural Clay County, Nebraska, the night Sydney went missing. So investigators just mapped the route and then drove the entire 200 mile route. And tragically, in a ditch along a dirt road, investigators found a human arm sticking out of a trash bag. And following the rest of the route that Bailey's cell phone took, they found 13 other garbage bags, all containing parts of Sydney Loof. They were quickly identified as Sydney's remains because Sydney had very distinctive tattoos. One of her tattoos said, everything will be wonderful someday. But get this, not all of Sydney's remains were found. Her left upper arm was never recovered and all of her internal organs were missing and they were never found. Where are her organs? Also, her body was completely drained of blood and there was not a drop of blood at Aubrey and Bailey's. Dude, they did find one bloody latex glove in with the remains and they also found plastic drop cloths, pajamas, a bleached bed sheet. Oh, and a sauna suit with the crotch cut out. <sighs> I don't, I don't know. I don't know. Sydney's driver's license and her cell phone case were found along Highway 41, as well as a credit card. And Sydney's car keys were found along Highway 15. And so everything, like it was all scattered over like 20 different locations over those 200 miles of dirt roads. So somehow they managed to do an autopsy on Sydney's remains, and her cause of death was determined to be homicidal violence, including suffocation. They also mentioned that she had significant bruising that indicated she fought back against her attacker, and that her strangulation marks were incredibly deep and went all the way down to the muscle. So that needed an incredible amount of force. So Aubrey and Bailey were confronted with the fact that Sydney's remains were found and all the evidence was pointing to them and they were extradited back to Nebraska and they were both charged with first degree murder and improper disposal of human remains. And the prosecution decided they were going to go for the death penalty. Now, eventually it did take a couple of weeks, but Aubrey confessed but this was the version of events that he gave. And there were like 85 different versions. He kept changing his story. He could not keep his story straight. So Aubrey said that Bailey brought Sydney home after their second date to meet Aubrey, the vampire sugar daddy. And they just hit it off. I mean, right? He's just Sydney's type. And then Aubrey said that him, Sydney, and two other random women engaged in group sex, which they filmed because the other two random women had paid Aubrey $15,000 for this film, and Sydney was really into it. He also said that during the encounter, they engaged in some consensual strangulation, and it just went too far and got out of hand, and he accidentally killed Sydney. 
He then said he panicked and he chopped up her body and he hid all of the parts. Because he thought if he hid all the parts, he wouldn't get caught. And he insisted that Bailey had nothing to do with her death, but she did help him dispose of her remains. When Bailey was questioned, she corroborated Aubrey's story, saying that she was tired and she fell asleep in the living room while the group sex was going on in the bedroom. Okay, but listen, the evidence does not match up with Aubrey's stupid fucking story. Bailey and Sydney had documented conversations where Sydney confirmed like, hey, just you and me, right? And now we're supposed to believe that Sydney laid eyes on this specimen and was like, yes, absolutely. Group sex, fil- film it. Yep. Sounds great. She was also covered in bruises because she fought back like a beast. Also, Aubrey and Bailey's apartment was thoroughly searched and there was DNA evidence that Aubrey, Bailey, and Sydney were in the apartment, but there was no evidence that there were two random women there. Not a hair, not a skin cell. There was nobody else there. But the most damning and ridiculous evidence was November 15th, earlier in the day, before date number two, Bailey and Aubrey were seen on surveillance footage going to a Home Depot to prepare for their disgusting dismemberment date, where they purchased a 12-inch hacksaw, two gallons of Clorox bleach, tin snips, a utility knife with backup blades, and plastic drop cloths. Then, then, get this, in the same fucking parking lot, sorry for the swearing, was Sydney's Menards that she worked at. And Aubrey went in. Because I guess Home Depot didn't have everything he needed. I mean, they never do. So Aubrey went in to the Menards that Sydney worked at while she was working. And I'm, I'm not even kidding. They're seen on surveillance footage in the same frame. Like Aubrey's walking in and Sydney's walking out. She walks right past him. Like she doesn't even know who he is. She never met him. Like he was like following her. Oh my God. It's so creepy. He went into her damn place of work to watch her and to buy shit he needed to kill her later that night. It is So scary. At the Menards, Aubrey purchased some cotton cord, air fresheners, Drano, protein bars, and lighters. Then more surveillance footage caught Aubrey and Bailey going into their usual stomping grounds where they went into an antique mall and they bought a weed cutter, food grinders, and a folding saw. They also went to a Dollar General a few hours before the date and they bought more bleach and garbage bags. Like, come on, that is a Dexter-level shopping spree. Mere hours before Sydney's date with fake Audrey. They bought all that awful shit in advance, and they cleaned up that apartment in such a way that they didn't have a drop of blood left. Like, that was premeditated. Like, the amount of planning and setup. So he can't fucking argue that it wasn't premeditated. And that it was an accident. He went overboard. Like, dude, how many fucking saws did you buy? What the fuck? Anyway, Aubrey and Bailey are locked up awaiting trial. And they were sending letters to each other. And the letters straight up confirmed that they killed Sydney. They're so dumb. The letters confirmed that the story about the erotic film and the two other random women, it was bullshit. It didn't happen. But Aubrey said it is a great story and that they should roll with that. Give me a break. Aubrey's trial was first and it was very dramatic. Just as a witness was walking up to the witness stand, Aubrey suddenly yelled out, Bailey is innocent and I curse you all. And then he slit his own throat in the middle of court. Okay, I'm going to show a clip of it, but it is not graphic. 
Please be seated. <laughs> Bailey is innocent, and I curse you all. Oh, Jesus! Stop recording. I guess he had some kind of homemade shiv that he had made. Some people say it was a razor blade that he smuggled in, and I don't know, but the drama of it all. Now, he did cut into his throat, but he did not do a thorough job. He didn't hit anything important. So they rushed him to the hospital. They stitched him up. He had to stay in the hospital for a little while, and the trial went on without him for a short time until he recovered enough to come back to the courtroom. And the judge told the jury to disregard Aubrey's outburst. Like, just forget that. Pretend that didn't happen. Then on July 11th, 2019, the jury deliberated for three hours before coming back with a guilty verdict for first-degree murder and conspiracy to commit murder and improper disposal of human remains. About a year after that, Bailey Boswell's trial commenced. It was much less dramatic, but she had the same charges as Aubrey. She was ultimately found guilty of all three charges as well. But at the sentencing hearings, despite having the same convictions, they each got different sentences. On June 9th, 2021, Aubrey Trail was sentenced to death by lethal injection, and the judges called his actions cold, calculated planning. But on November 8th, 2021, at Bailey Boswell's sentencing hearing, Bailey cried and begged the judge for mercy and to not sentence her to death for the sake of her daughter. The daughter that was taken away from her and she hadn't seen in years. That one. But ultimately, the judge decided that Bailey's actions did not meet the standard for exceptional depravity needed for capital punishment. So Bailey was sentenced to life in prison. Bailey is still an inmate at the Nebraska Correctional Facility for Women, and Aubrey is on death row at the Tecumseh State Correctional Institution. Bye, bitches! Sydney sounded like a truly special person. She had such a kind heart, and she just thought she was going on a date with a nice girl on Tinder named Audrey, and she instead ended up with Aubrey. Oh my god. In the comments, what are some of your tips that you use to make sure you're keeping yourself safe when you're going on a date with a stranger? Maybe you have a tip that someone watching or listening right now hasn't thought of and we can help each other out. I also want to quickly mention the Set Me Free Project. They offer the Sydney Loof Scholarship every year to honor Sydney's life. They're a nonprofit with a mission to bring preventive education to youths and families to stop human trafficking before it starts. I have their website linked in my YouTube description box and in the podcast show notes. And if you're moved by Sydney Loof's story and you want to do something in her name, you can do as I did and make a donation to the Set Me Free Project so they can teach more children about internet safety. Rest in peace to Sydney Loof and a big fuck you to Aubrey Trail and Bailey Boswell. And that is the end of today's true crime story, the Tinder murder. Stay safe out there. And look out for each other. Thank you for listening to Cleaning and Crime. If you'd like more content from me or you want to see the cleaning side of things, check me out on YouTube or TikTok or follow my socials, all of which are under the same name, C. Elise. If you have questions or case ideas to share, email me at cEliseclean at gmail.com. If you like what you heard, feel free to rate, review, and subscribe. These episodes include my personal opinions, and all information is compiled by me using references that are publicly available. Sources are included in the show notes. All parties discussed are innocent until proven guilty. See you next time.